Welcome to the Well Workplaces podcast, where we have authentic conversations with health and wellbeing leaders that are on a mission to inspire healthy change in the workplace. I'm your host, Tom Bosner, and today's episode is proudly brought to you by Pinnacle Health Group, Australia's leading corporate wellbeing provider who are on a mission to deliver 5 million health experiences globally. Now, to stay in touch with the latest events and content related to Well Workplaces, so you can click subscribe on Apple Podcasts, follow us on LinkedIn or Instagram, by simply typing in Well Workplaces. Now, today I'm joined by a special guest, Josh Lambert. Now, a little bit about Josh before we introduce him formally. Josh is a well-being entrepreneur, physiotherapist, speaker, and co-owner of Pinnacle Health Group with, with me, actually. Now, Josh is a workplace well-being leader and advocate, and along with hosting regular masterclasses and events and being featured on well-being panels. Josh has been published for well-being expert articles on publications such as Men's Fitness Magazine and the Australian Financial Review. Now, Josh, welcome to the show. Thanks for having me, Tom. Excited to be here, mate. Well, Joshy, we are speaking about health checks today, and I think probably just a really good place to start here is to get your expertise in on this topic. The world's changed a lot in the last couple of years, a lot of Men especially haven't, I guess, stayed on top of their health and health checks is one of those avenues for keeping, you know, keeping yourself in check. I'm wondering from your perspective, like, why do you think health checks are so important in today's world, but also in the workplace setting? Yeah, it's a great question, Tom. And, and I guess really, if you take a step back and look at what a health check is to start with, it's really assessing health and wellbeing. So I suppose to, to cut to the chase and I, I don't know who I can credit with this quote. I think it's an old one, but the, the saying what you can measure, you can manage. I, I might just attribute that quote to you, mate, because I know you, you're pretty good at saying that one, but basically if you're not measuring anything, including health and wellbeing, it's pretty hard to manage it and, and make decisions about it. So if we we think about that in the health and wellbeing sense, but also in the workplace health and wellbeing sense, well, really, if we're not taking some data or, or measuring something to do with health and wellbeing of our people, it's very hard to then provide, you know, smart and efficient uh, intervention, I suppose, to to improve wellbeing. So that's pretty much the, I guess, to cut to the real nuts and bolts of what a health check is. But yeah, you, you're spot on. There's been lots of, even more so in this sort of post-COVID or you know, during COVID world that we're in at the moment, there's been lots and lots of talk of health checks and, and health assessment of, of any form. I guess there's been this, I shouldn't say perfect storm because that implies that it's a good thing, but there's been this real melting pot of you've had high profile deaths of, of Australian sporting celebrities and, and, and other well-known people in Australia. There's been the two years of COVID. So the usual population that would go out and get their health checks or, or their, their six monthly or 12 monthly checkups they haven't been doing that and there's been a, a huge focus on workplace well-being generally so you, you add those different factors together for that reason i guess us pinnacle health group as health check service providers have been extremely busy but also you know not even working population just like all of us are, are looking to stay on top of measuring our health because it, it's been a really challenging time, I guess. Yeah, absolutely. You're right about the celeb side that, you know, the high profile celebrities, it feels like there was a, a period there where there was at least someone, you know, famous passing away due to, due to a heart attack or, or heart related issues. So yeah, that kind of brought it almost, yeah, brought it up to attention again for a lot of people being that a lot of those high profile people were 
kind of young as well. And so, yeah, that was, that was kind of interesting how that happened all in one verse. Um, Josh, I'm wondering with, with health check, sometimes I guess there's, you know, like it's kind of that, that idea of who, who's really responsible for us looking after their, their health and health checks. And, and from a workplace perspective, it's kind of like, you know, why, why I guess the question is why do workplaces provide health checks and why has that been a thing? Because you know, I guess you could argue that it's really just up to the individual to look after their own health, right? Yeah. Well, that's, that's the age old argument, I guess, Tom. And, um, it, it, it is funny you saying that with, you know, that there's really two main reasons that you do workplace health checks that we summarize for, for our clients and the first, and, and hopefully the most important benefit is to the employee themselves. So the workplace or the employer provides the health checks. The first benefit of doing those is that the employee or the end user of that health check gets to know their health information there. So they, they can then, you know, screen for chronic disease risks, uh, screen for, you know, markers for obesity, you know, poor nutrition, those sorts of things that are crucial with health checks. That's the first real benefit and the, you know, hopefully that the most important reason that workplaces do this. The second one, of course, is for the workplace themselves or for the employers. And that basically what that means that if they're providing or really encouraging the staff to engage in these health checks they get that health data or get that information. Now that sounds scary. What, what I don't mean, it's all, it's all de-identified information. So, you know, when workplaces run health check, the employer won't get information that says Josh has high blood pressure or Josh is, you know, not eating enough vegetables, but it will say of the a hundred employees or the a thousand employees that underwent health checks, the average blood pressure was this, your staff were in the high risk category for this particular chronic disease. So. It's, it's really twofold, the benefits of workplaces. And, and I guess that, that really leads to why they've been done in the first place, but these have been happening for decades. Some, I guess some high level data for, for those people listening of where health checks really fit into corporate health or, or fit into workplace health, basically of all the different wellbeing initiatives, health and wellbeing initiatives that you could run at a workplace, health checks are 38% of those. So, so they're a big section of the pie of what workplaces have up to this point in time offered. I think they're beaten only by health and fitness programs, which are, can be as simple as like discounted gym membership. So they are pretty much in terms of a service, the highest frequency or the highest prevalence of a service provided to employees. So, so yeah, that, that's sort of, I guess, a bit of context around why they're delivered, you know, in terms of the benefits though, yeah, really it, it's twofold. It's for the employees, but, but the employers get a lot of, a lot of really helpful information. Yeah, yeah, for sure. And I guess going back to what you can measure, you can manage. Is that what you, that's what you quoted? Exactly. That was my yep. quote that you quoted. Yeah, perfect. Um, <laughs> yeah, I guess that, that makes sense, doesn't it? I guess to, you know, to get data on either end for the individual, maybe that's the prod they need to become more aware of their current health conditions, perhaps to then make some changes. So I was just going to say, yeah, it is, it's, it's, it's crucial because you've got, you know, 33% of working Australians, to, just to give you some more information on that, have at least one chronic disease risk factor. So if you think of that, a third of the working population have at least one chronic disease risk factor. So if, if you're at workplace and you're not getting information on that, why, why are you not working out, you know, where are the risks in my population? And there's probably a third of my staff that have some risks, but to your point there, and sorry, I cut in, but where, where you then get to is rather than when it gets to designing a wellbeing program or starting to think about the intervention side of your wellbeing program, if you don't have that measurement to start with, you might be 
pumping budget or pumping attention and resources into parts of health and wellbeing that aren't tailored to your organization. Or for example, if the, the employees tested really poorly for nutrition and, and diet on the health checks, and you don't have anything in your wellbeing program to do with diet and nutrition, you're kind of missing the mark there. So, um, yeah, hopefully that, that's probably getting a bit more specific there, but it's, it's important to, that yeah, out. yeah. No, no, that's good. Love it. With a, we've talked about health checks a little bit, you know, more broadly, I guess what there's different styles of health checks, obviously what, what would be like a typical standard health checks and what would it include for, for that individual? Yeah, the, the most popular, I'll start with the most popular really at, at workplaces or the, or the most prevalent, and that would be, we call it our essential health check, but it's a fact that it could be called anything from a heart health check or a cardiovascular check, or just simply a health check. The most common one is a 15 minute check. We've all probably had these when we've been to our GP before, or you may have had a workplace health check before. It's that the classic 15 minute check, you get the pinprick uh, blood check, so you get the blood droplet. That measures your cholesterol, uh, your HDL to LDL cholesterol as well. It also measures your blood glucose, you get your blood pressure done, your heart, your resting heart rate, waist circumference, hip to waist ratio, which, which is a, a marker of obesity and, and risk factors for diabetes and so on. There's screening questions to do with nutrition and diet. There's screening questions to do with exercise, smoking, alcohol intake, and so on. So it really is this general health check but it hones it quite a bit onto the cardiovascular disease risk factors, given that they, they are the most, the highest risk in, in Australia to the Western world as well. Yeah. Yeah. No, that's good. And there's a, there, what's the fun fact that you're always dropping to me about the veggies and how many vegetables and fruit you need to oh, eat? Yeah. Yeah. Today. Well, yeah. So, well, I'm not sure if, if listeners are across this, but basically we should be eating five servings of vegetables per day. That's the Australian dietary guidelines for vegetables per day. And it's way less than half. I don't off the top of my head, I've probably quoted, quoted this to you before, but it's way less than half. Um, so way less than 50% of the population that actually consume five servings of vegetables or consume the minimum dietary guidelines. So as, as a question on our health check, it, it, you know, on, on the health data that workplaces get back, they'll They'll often get back, yep, blood pressure was normal across the 100 employees that you had or, you know, tested really well for these categories. But when it gets to nutritional intake, uh, vegetables, we're, we're falling massively behind. So, um, yeah, I, I, I get quite uh, evangelical about that with you, don't I, when we're, when we're reading our coleslaw wraps at, at work and just try, try, <laughs> try, trying to create in servings of vegetables to, to sneak in to get that five a day. Absolutely. We've seen the price of lettuce at the moment. It's, it's ridiculous. I reckon that might be a, a barrier for some people. Yeah. Um, I, saw, I saw KFC have gone to, gone to cabbage instead of lettuce, actually. <laughs> <laughs> along, we, should, we shouldn't be talking about KFC on a wellbeing podcast. Yeah. yeah. What, what is that? What is that? Hey, with, with developing, I guess when companies get that pool of data and they kind of essentially have a feel for the health profile of their population, there's probably some, no doubt with all that data, there's probably some regular things that come up. You mentioned the, the vegetable intake of lack of intake. Are there any other interesting data points that keep coming up in different workplace populations with our clients or, or with some of the research you've done? Yeah. In terms of the questionnaire questions, there's, there's questions on lifestyle in general. So that is exercise frequency and duration. There's questions on, I mentioned before, sort of alcohol intake and so on. So they're, they're really 
quite highly variable. You, you can imagine, you know, the range of workplaces we work with over 200, depending on the nature of the, of the beast, whether it's an office based organization, whether there's some staff that are working remotely or might be out on gas mines and those sorts of things, obviously it's, it is highly variable, but in terms of, I guess, what, what you're, you're leaning to there, what are the sort of data points that we're getting? Well, it's, it, it's really important that the data points are across a, a multitude of different health factors. So, you know, what I'm really getting at here is that we do also ask questions relating to mental wellbeing. So there's the, there's the DAS 21 and the K10, which are actually mental health components of, of some of the health checks that, that we provide. So I know I haven't answered your question yet, but I'm just sort of taking a step back mm-hmm. and go, these are the, that's how broad the, the data points can be. But, you know, to cut back to your question, well, what, what are some, I guess, trends that we're seeing, you know, outside of maybe the nutritional ones, well, sleep is huge. So, you know, are you getting more than seven hours of recommended sleep per night? You know, massive amounts aren't. I, I don't have the data on, on the top of my head of, of that, but, but certainly a lot of us aren't sleeping, you know, seven hours or more a night. So that if you're listening to this, you know, the, the recommended minimum is seven hours a night. If you think you're one of those people that doesn't need seven hours, you're probably uh, kidding yourself a little bit, but certainly it is that that's, that's quite common. Um, other ones that are common. Yeah. It, it, as I said, Tom, it, it is highly variable. It, it does depend on the, on the workplace, but we see outside of the nutrition sort of being in the high risk category there, waist circumference, hip to waist ratio, you know, let's face it, we've had two years where we're not moving as much, a lot of the corporate world working from home. It's colder now as well. We've been through lockdowns. Generally we've put on weight, but generally we've moved less as a society. So we're seeing some trends that are kind of not great trends, by the way, but seeing some trends in that direction. Yeah. So actually that kind of adds. Yeah. Yeah, no, it does. And, um, yeah, one of the things I read was the average weight gain over the pandemic for, and it was for men, it was, uh, around that 5.5 kgs across uh, over the two years. So just a little bit of, little bit of extra put on the body each year and compounding over that time. So what we're also seeing, I guess, in our, in our business and through the clinics and stuff, is just those types of people going, gee, I've lost my way a little bit with living a balanced lifestyle with, with eating sleep comes up a lot, as you say, and, and obviously exercise has been for some people they've gotten into better shape and for, for a lot, it's been the complete opposite way. So yeah, it's been kind of an interesting recipe for disaster really the last couple of years. Yeah. And that's been, I think you, you asked sort of what, it, what other health checks are there and, and you made me think of it as you were speaking there, but certainly the. The classic essential health check, the cardiovascular health check is, is super popular. Probably worth noting as well that skin cancer checks would be the second highest, most popular health check that we run. And again, if you think about it, yes, there's been lockdowns and yes, it's been a pretty weird two years, but it's also been another type of health check that we've avoided as, as society. And we're still exposed to the sun, particularly here in Australia and across New Zealand as well. We've got some of the highest uh, exposures to UV. So, you know, skin cancer chimps are, are huge in the workplace. They're, they're a close second. And worth noting as well that from our, speaking of those data points that you asked about, across all of the skin cancer checks that we run at workplaces, and this is where, you know, for those that haven't experienced this before, the skin cancer check is where a dermatoscopist comes out to the workplace. That's a fancy, fancy name for effectively a skin cancer practitioner comes out to the workplace, assesses the skin and looks at all the sunspots on the body uh, with a dermatoscope. Basically, out of all the workplace programs we run, out of all the different employees, 
71% of those employees that have a workplace skin cancer check done, it's their first ever skin cancer check they've had done. So I'll say that again. So basically 71% of employees that get a skin cancer check done through their work, it's the first ever skin check they get done. So for obvious reasons, it's, it's a hugely powerful initiative because these people aren't getting skin checks done anyway, or you, they're not, they're not voluntarily going out and accessing that as much as they should be. So even if it's that first line of defense and it's just exposing employees to it, it's, it's hugely powerful. You can imagine it's kind of an emotive subject when it gets to the workplace, because if you're saving lives by detecting melanomas, it's, it's been pretty powerful. So yeah, I thought I'd mention that one as well. And the two most popular types of health check there. Yeah, absolutely. No, it's a good one. Now. As we look ahead to the future, and I always like to talk, you know, in five years or 10 years ahead with health assessments for workplaces, what do you think is going to change in terms of assessments? Are we going to, you know, do do you think organizations are going to be doing more of this or aiming to assess different aspects of wellbeing in the, in the next five years, given the current environment of working and obviously remote working? Yeah. Short answer. Yes, Tom. I think just, uh. To give that some context, you look at it and if you're, you know, this melting pot we spoke before around COVID, awareness of employee wellbeing, the benefit of employee wellbeing and seeing productivity, but also this hybrid remote working and flexibility, employee wellbeing, employee health is going to be top of the agenda moving forward. So in that context, wellbeing programs, intervention for employees is only going to grow. So with that, if we're not measuring to come back to the, the quote from right at the start of the podcast, if we're not measuring, it's very hard to manage. Or if, if we're not measuring and we are increasing resources into wellbeing, we're, we're probably just taking a bit of a punt. We're just a bit of a scattergun approach. Like let's do a sprinkle of nutrition stuff, a little bit of sleep health, sort out mental wellbeing, financial wellbeing. And it's, it's probably not tailored to that organization. So the first answer to your question there would be that, yes, hopefully if workplace is doing it correctly, they're going to be increasing the measurement component of that. Will they just start to throw different wellbeing initiatives willy-nilly? Looking at how that gets done, to come back to what I was saying there about the remote working and hybrid working, probably there's increasing you know, uh, benefits or, or advancements in technology that are allowing health checks to get done in a range of different places. So I suppose the, the two health checks I've spoken about the most today, the, the essential health check or the heart health check and the skin cancer check, they are traditionally done in person, in a workplace or in an office, you know, captive audience can get that done and it's fairly easy, easy to happen. But we fast track and we look at the world right now, if, if large majorities of populations might be working from home that day or, or remote working or hybrid, the challenges of getting everyone into the workplace to have that physical check done in person is heavy challenging. So there's new technology that's improving all the time with remote health checks. So there's actually some technology that exists at the moment to conduct those similar glucose and cholesterol tests from the home and they can be sent off to pathology labs and conducted remotely. Even our skin cancer checks that, that, you know, are often done, the gold standard is being done in person. There's technology that can attach to smartphones these days that can actually go through effectively the same assessment, but remotely. So the patient or, or the patient's partner or family member takes the photography of those spots and it's then assessed remotely. And there's new technology now as well that, that look at uh, different different markers in the blood for diabetes and so on, which is HB1AC, I believe is the, the correct term. So basically, I guess you add all those components together, what, what we're really likely to see is not just kind of 
faster access to these and, and more remote access, but we're, we're going to look at sort of measuring different things as well. So, you know, things like measuring our DNA, genetic testing as well, looking at what risk factors do we have moving forward to, to different types of disease. I, you know, it, it, it's not crazy to think workplace health checks would be a lot more, dare I say, invasive, but would uncover a lot more information moving forward. So, Yeah, absolutely. And I guess the implications for that could be also at that pre-employment stage where you're getting a sense of people's, uh, if, it, if it is something like genetic testing and you're kind of getting a really good insight into um, those risk factors before they actually start the employment with you. So yeah, it's kind of an interesting thought and an just interesting idea to think about, you know, five or 10 years ahead. Josh, mate, that was great. Thanks so much for your time today. And uh, yeah, chat soon. Thanks, Tom. Thanks for tuning in to another Well Workplaces podcast. If you've loved the show, it would be fantastic if you could leave us a review on Apple Podcasts. Or feel free to follow us on LinkedIn or Instagram and search Well Workplaces or my profile, Tom Bosner. The show is produced by Alice Hoyle and is made in my backyard cubby. If you would like to hear more about our exclusive events and more about the Well Workplaces community, feel free to email me directly at tom at wellworkplaces.com.au where I'd love you to tell me who I should interview in the future podcasts and also tell me what you've loved most about the show. This podcast is really built on community input and built on the aspiration of inspiring healthy change in every workplace. Thanks for listening.